Welcome to Darkly Lit, where we wander through the grittier parts to unearth the boogeyman that hides in the shadows. We are the three kings. I'm your first king, Kayla King. To the right of me is my husband, David King. My Spanish might be rusty, but is this song really entirely about a girl's butt? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, uh... To the north of us is our adopted child. The third king, Jesse Reyes. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about the whole three kings thing, so when you said it, I was like, what? Oh, and then I tried not to laugh, and then David's <laughs> well, talking about butts. Well, I mean... And then he ruined it. <laughs> no, I, I no was, actually, that was perfect. That's a direct quote from the, yes, the novel. I remember <laughs> it, yeah. But, um... But yeah, I, I think it's important that we re- reestablish that we are the th- three kings because it is December and we have to go give some gifts to a baby, I think. You know, what with us being the three kings and all. Oh, shit. Do we really? Yeah, it's a star. A, there's a big star and it's like pulsating in my mind and it's giving me horrible eldritch nightmares. And it's like, you have to give presents <laughs> to a baby. And I'm like, OK, could sure. You, could you imagine if that was written like a horror novel? Like, <laughs> oh, my God, the star. That would I would read that. Oh, man. OK, we're going to we're going to travel. And it, this baby's going to end up being baby Yoda because that's what's on <laughs> everyone's mind right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I want okay. Now I want this. I don't know if there's an if there could be an artist rend- rendition or whatever, but I want a nativity scene with Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian looking over it in a <laughs> in the, <laughs> Baby Yoda oh in a manger. You know, someone's gonna do it. Someone, it's, is, it's gonna happen. It's a bound to be out there. I hope so. I really do. Oh, man, that would make my day. <laughs> so we read a novel. We did. <laughs> we read a young adult novel. It has nothing to do with... Um, Baby Yoda. Or Christmas. With, with the Star Wars or the Christmas, no. In fact, it's set during the summer. Yes. It's called Five Midnights uh, by Anne Davila Cardinal. Or is it Davia? Davia. Davia? Davia. Okay. Davia Cardinal. Um, actually, the author, uh, when we announced this on Twitter, liked and started following the Darkly Lit podcast. So this brings me joy. If it were pronounced... Hi, Anne, if you're listening, uh, thank you for following us. I, we hope we... <laughs> we hope you're enjoying this. We, we're sorry. We enjoyed your book. We, we, uh, yes, Actually, I will say it right off the bat. We're going to we, attempt to talk about it. We're going to attempt to talk about it. We, 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 all, we all enjoyed it. Interested, it sounds like, first and, first and foremost, we, did we like the book? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and if we mi- mispronounce your name, we are so sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, I should actually grab the copy that I have right now. Oops, yes, sorry. We actually bought the book. Uh, we were gonna, oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, we were going to borrow it from the library, but then um, we decided, you know what? I think we'd rather buy it. Like, it'd be mm-hmm. good to have on our shelves. Um, yeah. We haven't bought a book in a while, with the exception of... Um, I did buy a, uh, a nerdy D and D book for David for his birthday, but um, because my my wife knows me so well, mm-hmm. so 
I uh, got my copy from the local library. Um, support your local library. Yes. <laughs> um, and when did this come out? Because this is the my library. I think I was the first person to check it out because it is a brand new and it very is, clean copy. It is very new, June twenty nineteen. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This just came out this year. This is not an old book at all. Okay. So, um, who would like to um, give the description? I'll do it. Or let me do it. I haven't done it in a while. Yeah, well, let's have Say do it. Okay. <laughs> um, Alright, so this book was actually very relatable for me. It is about a girl named Lupe who is visiting family, specifically her uncle and aunt in Puerto Rico. I forgot specifically where. <laughs> but uh, It's San Juan, right? But it, it's kind of all... It's... I don't... Not familiar with Puerto Rico. Like old, old San Juan is a major location in the novel. Yeah. But I think it's in a few places. It's yeah. in a few places in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So... Okay. Um, but she's visiting her uncle, who is the chief of police in that area, and it's her first time visiting without her father's company, and she learns of a terrible murder. So I love a good murder. Murder. Uh, and <laughs> behind her uncle's back, she starts to her own investigation that uh, leads her to meet a young man named Javier, who is also uh, connected to murder and some following murders. And they team up to solve a supernatural mystery that involves El Cuco, which I know more more as El Kukui, but yes. Uh, and I should we leave it there? Wait, yeah. we, we, we're going to talk about the whole book, so like, yeah, spoilers abound. So. That's a yeah, spoilers, spoilers in abundance. And we hope that our like you know the good book club listeners, you are you read the book and joined us yes. or joining us after having read Five Midnight. If you haven't, please mm-hmm. stop and read the book. It actually is a good read. There's a I yeah. want to mo- we do we do all recommend it. Yes. So if you want to finish this episode without any spoilers, go read it first and then come back. I will, I will say. Do that. Uh, when- you know what? Let me do a non-spoiler part because um, usually we would do questions, right? Um, okay. um, but we actually offered a, another suggestion, which is what is a boogeyman or a monster that you grew up with or someone that uh, your parents told you to scare you? and um, Scare you into behaving. Exactly. Because uh, um, pro- that's probably another thing we should discuss is what is El uh, Coco or El Cucuy? El Cuco. El Cuco. Uh, because that is actually a famous monster. Mm-hmm. Or it is a monster that is told to young uh, uh, Latino children <laughs> in order one, to behaving. Uh, fun fact, um, once in a really weird way was once famously... Well, maybe not famously. Was once actually played by Danny Trejo. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. He voiced he voiced, uh, he voiced El Cucuy in a maze they did at Halloween Horror Nights one year that was based on El Cucuy. So uh, I also know for a fact uh, Sade has once mentioned um, growing up with El Cucuy. Yeah, it was definitely one that my mother. I thought my mom had made it up because I'd never heard anyone else uh, talk about it. But she would, you know, tell us as kids, like, I'll go to bed or, or you know, do this because or, or El Cucuy is going to come and get you. And I was like, 
And then uh, I was so fond of that, actually. Like, it never really scared me because she never went into any actual detail of, like, what what El Kukui would do or where he would take us. Or it was just like, he'll come and get you. That was it. Um, So I guess that's a little scary in itself. But Mm -hmm. uh, I was very fond of it as I got older. Um, And my when, when Twitter first came around. Uh, my uh, my username was El Kukui. Oh, that's <laughs> before awesome. I changed it. So yeah, <laughs> so the spelling was wrong because I didn't know. I never had seen the written word, but yeah, it was El Kukui. <laughs> well, you mentioned that your mother you you thought she made it up. So <laughs> yeah, so and then I I learned about it in, in more detail later. <laughs> um. I did you grow okay David did you grow up with the boogeyman or monster I did not um I was one of those kids who just um had sort of the arbitrary sense of like there's something out there that wants to get me it wasn't anything it was a nebulous but my my parents never did the whole like do this or that or a boogeyman will get you or something but the closest thing I had to that was uh when I was about 10 we moved to a um we moved to the San Jacinto Mountains and uh there's town up there called Idlewild, and when we got there, I found out that the town and the, the mountains and even the uh, a part of Palm Springs on the other side has a legend associated with it about a uh, the, the spirit of a, like the, the cannibal spirit of a shaman called Takish. Uh, he's a legend about the Kauia people, and uh, Takish is said to be this ghost that, uh, or, or demon that lives under um, Takish Peak in a cave uh, made of glass, and... Uh, I thought being someone who always like who grew up in like a really boring part of Orange County as a kid was like, oh, my gosh, I finally moved somewhere with some actual cool local like folklore. So rather than being scared, it made me like want to go and track down all the bits and pieces I could about the mystery. Never really did. But it was cool whenever I would stand in the middle of town and look up and there's that imposing rock formation that looms over everything. And and, uh, and I've told and, and Kayla Kayla knows what I'm talking about because she's seen it. You've seen Takish. Yeah, I, 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 I want to go explore it at some point. It's 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 uh, well known for mountain climbers because it's this big like sneer of rock that sticks out from one of the mountains. So um, uh, it's just it's cool. Um, I I don't know the I don't know the all the details of it. I just know that there's supposedly this this um, Native American um, folklore that of of Takish, the evil shaman spirit monster thing. <laughs> um. Like you, I didn't have a monster, or like no, there was never any monster that my mom or dad would uh, say, "Oh, don't do this," or "This will come and get you." Uh, I did, so I was a, I had a jerk big sister moment though. Oh no! Because there was a, at the point when I realized uh, again, spoilers for any little kids listening out there. Hopefully there isn't. Uh, when I realized the two fairy wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> um. And my sister, but um, my mom said, oh, don't tell your sister, though. I don't want you to ruin the magic for her. Uh, I made up a whole lie saying, oh, you better uh, be careful about um, uh, where you hide your tooth. Because the tooth fairy uh, punishes bad bad kids. Like... uh, uh, actually, I had a, I had a friend or a neighborhood kid that like backed me up, and she's like, "Yeah, there was a point that uh, my my sister uh, didn't put her tooth under the pillow, and then the next day she had green fur on her arm." And I'm like, 
And my sister was just like, <gasps> I don't know if she remember the, remembers this. So, but yeah, I was... <laughs> I may or may not bring this up surreptitiously around Christmas just to see if she remembers. <laughs> I, I just remember saying that. I don't know if she believed me. I think... She, I, think <gasps> I don't know if she did, but she was kind of just... Like, I, I remember her face being shocked and being like, what? <laughs> like, kind of confused. <laughs> I probably... <laughs> But when you have, like, two kids and one of them being your sister saying, yeah, the two fairies can come and get you. Uh, wow. Um, I, I was a jerk sister. Fair enough. Um, but uh, we do have a, a few who uh, also commented on uh, Monsters. Uh, 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 Zath actually mentioned, like, same as us, uh, didn't work, his parents weren't really the type to use scare tactics, but he did have his own monster that he thought of which was a weird cat creature that he feared would jump on him when he turned on the lights in the room oh yeah that reminds me of like all the times that i would like run and dive into bed so my feet were not close to the edge of the bed mm-hmm. not for any other reason other than i just it's that that surreptitious fear that something would come out and grab my ankles you know yeah and then um the other two include uh i got one from alan and one from Fishmeck. these are, i think are more interesting ones so alan put there was a fence that separated where i used to live in virginia from a creek and um me and all the uh neighborhood kids all used to climb the fence and catch frogs and we even built a weird fort thing he also decided i decided to put this here because we because we all peed there all the time we called it take a leak creek (laughs) 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 <laughs> so um my one, comedy writing partner ladies and gentlemen yes uh yeah. w- one of the kids parents didn't want him going near the creek uh admittedly there were snakes up there so they made up this weird ghost called old pete who protected the creek and he didn't like kids playing there uh this kid would tell them all uh what his parents told them and we just had to find old pete so that backfired <laughs> like, oh my gosh there's a ghost let's go find him Hey, you guys want to see a dead body? Stand by me starts playing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Fishmech, this is their story. The the house we moved to when I was five straight up had someone die in the yard a few months before we moved in. So apparently a college kid was uh, worked for a construction company and uh, they were sent down into the trench. The water pipes were laid through the side and the sides collapsed. Oh, jeez. So I'm trying to read this. Dang. And what's worse is he only needed to be there because a contractor had sabotaged the lines to some of the houses, requiring the lines to be dug up and replaced. Oh. So um, as a result, uh, his parents would say, oh, we have a ghost on the property. And uh, if you you were bad, that um, – he would come and get you – and then he says, and independently from the first time, I was told about what had happened shortly after we moved in. I became concerned I might do something to make him show up, or that he might be hiding as a ghost in the closet if I left the light on. Yikes. <laughs> That's, if, if, see, like, I would, that would have gotten to me as a kid. Because, like, ghosts are, ghosts are spooky, man. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, the parents, um, in Five Midnights, uh, uh, their reasoning for threatening El Cuco to the five kids is kind of 
kind of a legitimate reason. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. Like it wasn't because they weren't eating vegetables. No. Well, that's definitely one of the places I would like to start the conversation is, uh, so we have, um, I like that we're introduced to, um, and this is one of the things I like about the novel. We get the, the setting is established really well, just in the little things that all the different characters uh, do and sort of tra- traditions that are carried through. And uh, Los Congrejos is uh, a great name for this these, these five kids. So um, the murder surround these five boys. Uh, they're called the Los Congrejos because that means... Uh, uh, the crabs in Spanish. <laughs> They're the crabs in Spanish because they were born um, in June or late July. Uh, July. 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 Uh, I know this. I remember this because one, they're cancers. I'm a cancer. Huzzah. Memel. Guillermo Memel. Yes. Who? Who? Who is? I believe the second murder. Correct. Mm-hmm. He, his birthday is my birthday. That's right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, if, so. we, if, if we name them in if we name them in order from when they're born, it, it it's uh ah. it's it's Vico, Memo, uh, Carlos. No, uh, yes. Carlos is next. Then um, Izzy. Then Izzy. Then Javier. Correct. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it begins with actually the, the story changes point of view and it starts with Vico and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vico's a drug dealer. He has a lot of money, and he's about, they're all about to turn eighteen. By the way, like yeah. they're right mm-hmm. on the verge of their eighteen. Great days. at the at the start of manhood and the end of childhood. Very significant that they all need to die. Uh, they all are killed just before. That's the five, and there's the five midnights right there. Yes. Mm. Uh, Although weirdly, like technically speaking, only four of the five midnights happen because uh, Carlos is able to avoid it. Well, Carlos because is, he's the one that got sort of swept away from the island and came back later. He 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 was and clean. he cleaned up his life. Yeah, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when we mean clean, we do mean it in the drug sense. Right, right. That's so. the, that's the technically other thing. he. I mean, aside from from being caught at the initial start with the with the group, he never lived a life of crime. Right, that's true. So he was he was he was clean the entire time. Unlike Javier, who had only recently gotten clean. Oh, I, I, it's funny because he he even had a better track record than, than than Izzy. Izzy had only been clean for like what two three months. Yeah, mm-hmm. at the start of the novel. Yeah, and uh, actually, uh, that's one thing I wanted to address. So uh, the best parts I think of the novel are actually the grittier parts for me. Mm-hmm. Like. Again, I I think what caught me was the description of uh, so this isn't okay. There is spoilers. Yeah, we're we're, we're right. talking freely about the book now. Yeah. It's okay. We um, don't yeah. even have to like necessarily break it into categories because this is a free form discussion. Yeah, I, sorry, I've been doing so much animusings. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so Vico's death starts it, and the way that it's described is like okay, this book is gonna be good. I knew like that first chapter hooked me immediately, especially. Mm-hmm how his death comes about. And then actually a lot of my favorite parts are when El Cuco comes to get them. Yeah. It's just so eerie. Um, and the fact that all of them are, or most of them are drug addicts and are dealing with addiction in different ways. It's really framed as sort of a symptom rather than like something that's necessarily their fault though, which is interesting because the the, the other thing the novel explores is sort of the, just how, the island is, or the the urban life on this island is like changing and de- and decaying in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because like the the narcotics dealers have moved in when like the they moved in when the recession hit and then like you know 
now they're peddling they're peddling drugs to like the kids and it's taking over and it's just it's it's sad it's like a really sad picture of like how things are going or how things were maybe mm-hmm. how they are still i mean like in parts of Puerto Rico, and it, it, it has a it has an angle where it kind of explores gentrification as well, yes, which I also mm-hmm. really dig. Um, and I feel like that's really framed when we get to see the parts where uh, Marisol is the is uh, it takes is a, the center of attention. Uh, Marisol mm-hmm. uh, is Vico's sister, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, she, like interest. I think her character is handled very well, and also it's a little iffy too. Because I think she was made out of, to be a little too strongly harsh at a certain well, point. Maybe she was. Um, I don't know if dramatic. Maybe extreme, but not. Yeah, uh, yeah I had a. I had a. She's probably the character I had the most difficult time with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know why she was so extreme. Because like it got to the point of like you could feel the buildup. Like oh, they're gonna face uh, like the weight. Because she was so extreme, I thought it was going to be like, okay, they're going to deal with El Cuco, but then it's going to be like Marisol. Marisol is going to be the, the the real monster that they face at the end because she was so intense. I know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. When it got to the... Uh, but that, like, especially with the whole Sebastian part, like that, uh, like Father Sebastian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Padre Sebastian, sorry. Pa- Padre Sebastian. I was like, oh my god. Like, that part actually kind of surprised me, like, in a good way, but at the same... No, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we, we, they definitely let us think that she was that unhinged. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the, the fact that she's just, like, she blames uh, Lupe for so many things just because she she looks like a she's a gringa. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, and... and it's just, it's, well, she's it's, half gringa. She's, she's a, half gringa, but she it, looks it. She's a gringa rican, is what she's she gringa calls it. She's gringa rican. That's what's like, uh, but like Marisol, um, it's like I, I I get why like she would have been pushed that way because just she's not ha- the circumstances of what like her her mom dying watching her brother get sort of taken over by you know f- become a criminal and become a narcotics dealer and then and also dying it's just she's losing her losing her home and then she just it's- all she sees and and she I, I like that they mentioned like in the book. She's going to like flip uh, political rallies about how Puerto Rico wants to be independent again. Like she's she's a radical, and she like wants she wants things to go back to the way they were, and that's hard. She she sees the the decay on, that's you know happening to the island, but like she blames she blames everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like. And and she's like you're you are representative of everything that's wrong, Javier. This is why you represented that, and uh, Gringa bitch. This is why you <laughs> are the worst. And the part I was really looking forward to in in the book um, was actually the confrontation between uh, Lupe and Marisol at the end. Yes. And then, well, I, I, there's I have I think the the end is interesting. I really want to talk about that, but I. I <laughs> I mean, should, I, should, we, should we rip that Band-Aid off now? About the ending? About the ending? How I feel about the ending? Or do we wait Actually, on that? Uh, let's wait on that. You know what? I'll come back to that. Yeah, let's talk... I guess, uh... Let's talk about stuff that we liked right now. Um, it's, it's not that I didn't... Dis- it's not that I disliked it. It's more like... I just have, I just have some questions, mainly. But, I, like, again... Actually, what, you, what did you think, Sade? What did you think of the ending? At the end, no, I want to hear David's first because I. <laughs> okay, I so, also have some some mixed feelings about the end, but I'm realizing I'm also really picky about endings, which is terrible of me because I suck at endings. No, that's fair. 
No, I get you. Yeah. Um, but I was with David, too, because there was a point where David, uh, like, I asked David, like, um, oh, what do you think of the book? Because I, I read it before him, and um, he's like, I couldn't put down, it's so good. But, yeah. Mm. And I'm like, but, and I, he, he did do the whole, like, pause, like, but, and I said, it's <laughs> but, the ending, right? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Okay, so I think we're all on the same page on that. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah. I think the novel does a, a superb job being sort of couched in that, like, pulling moments of, of goodness out of this, you know, pretty bleak setting. Mm-hmm. I kind of, mm-hmm. again, the parts that work, I like the grittiness of it, that, that also ties in with a potentially metaphorical, but then genuinely supernatural threat of El Cuco. And I mm-hmm. like how sort of that old tradition ties in with just the the just general kind of disease of the of the island and or of the of the the narcotics and and the way it had affected these these boys' lives, you know, and and the people around them. Um, and I kind of liked that it was it was played straight, you know. There was all that like there's all this weaving in and out of like really touchy stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know when Padre when Padre Sebastian is 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 stabbed and seems like he died, like. I was like, oh, this is where it really gets real. Because like yeah. the part where, where mm-hmm. I'm like, my stomach dropped out is when is when Javier goes back to Omar, his old dealer. And yeah, I was, I was actually a little frustrated with Javier. Be like, really, really, that's where you're gonna go? Like, I get it, but like, obviously, that's not what Padre Sebastian would have want. Like, yeah, exactly. which is why like I'm he would have really, taught you better. Which is why I'm really <laughs> proud of him when he didn't ultimately go through with it he gets there mm. he feels the he feels the addiction pulling at him and he feels the whole like whole like well i gotta do this because i want to face el cuco head on or whatever he feels hopeless but then he he finds the willpower to to, to make it stop mm-hmm. and i was so proud of him as a character mm-hmm. and um and, I, and we'll go back to them of course i like the main characters a lot i like both lupe and javier I like we when we switch between their perspectives. I like the I do like I think this is one of those books where the perspective swapping actually works really well. So uh, the one thing, okay, it's less of a dislike and more. This is just me as a per, as a person looking back, like, oh, you're such a teenager. Uh, this is a young adult novel. This is a young adult. Novel. Okay, I think Kayla's going to hit on something that I also wanted to hit on. Continue. Why don't you why don't you, why don't you get that now? Yeah, get that now. Do it. Okay, so are teenagers really this? horny because like i was a really horny teenager i will confess to that like oh my god i was a horny teenager but i don't think like i was that horny Horny to the point where you bump into like like just brush past a girl in an elevator and you're like and you have an erection (laughs) these yeah i was like wow you guys are so uh, i mean different different strokes lol for different folks but (laughs) i mean that's maybe maybe it's that fiery puerto rican blood you know like maybe that's why it's so intense maybe i mean keep in mind these are this is these are the same kids are like we have to be men now let's do cocaine on our 13th (laughs) birthday oh my god definitely definitely tragic again for like javier and those kids like they grew up fast because of what they they put themselves into the world they threw themselves into you would have to grow up fast to survive that yeah oh absolutely yeah so so from javier's perspective i wasn't it wasn't bothering me too much but like i don't know then again loop is a girl okay no okay i forgived it i was like okay yeah you do you I'm it's, nothing against people being horny. But it, it, there's another thing, too. Uh, it's the fact she keeps saying, like, well, I guess they've never met a feminist before. And I'm like, God, 
You're such a teenager. <laughs> but it's that's I think I, I that endeared it to me because they they both behave like teenagers. Yeah, they do. But more specifically, yeah. they behave like I expect teenagers to behave in a YA novel. Yeah, but here's the like as a. The funny part is... Which is not a criticism, necessarily. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's not. Like, I'm... It, it's more for me, um, I... I'm kind of just looking back, sort of like whenever I look back on 16-year-old Kayla, and I'm just like, oh, God. 16-year-old Kayla. Oh, go ahead. What it is, is we're, we're adults in our 30s now, so, and, and like, anything like, like, high school romancy dramas is cringy for us. It is. Well, okay, that's not true. Whenever I read queer teen romantic stories, I find it adorable. <laughs> okay, if I read queer anything, I'm 100% in, no matter, like, how yeah, bad it is, yeah, so. If, yeah, if it's, if it's queer, I, like, I'm with Sade, if it's queer, like, if it's, I, because I have read, um, uh, actually quite a bit of like lesbian romance uh, stories of like high schoolers and I'm just like this is so adorable I have Rorsch mm. this is my ship right now and then also same with like um, uh, like gay men and I'm like oh my heart my babies but I know sorry go ahead oh yeah but <laughs> with the uh, straight romances or heterosexual romances I'm just like oh you're just so horny well, to be fair, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could. Des- I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a gap there, but like when it comes to Javier's perspective, I'm like, I can kind of see that. I don't know if there was ever that <laughs> much of a horn dog, but I can remember times when I was around, uh, you know, when I was a teenager and I was around certain girls, and I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, our knees are touching. Ah! <laughs> oh, she she she's smiling at me, and and there's a look in her eyes. Does this mean I, is, is is this gonna be a thing? Can I like hold her hand? <laughs> If I hold her hand, is she going to see that I have that? <laughs> Am I going to have to hide certain things? Yeah, Do I have to move my I, legs a certain way to hide certain things? It's, okay, oh, this, man. this is not nearly as bad as Electric Boner. Like, Oh, no. Nothing is ever as bad as Electric Boner. Let's be real. But in like, terms of how horny those boys were, like, wow. No, this is this is measured and restrained and, like, kind of, I think it matches up. And, you know, I remember, was, like I said, I remember a little... like, kind of like this at 17. Okay, go so. ahead and say it was a little exaggerated, but for teenagers, it's all still believable. Yes. yes. And, like, for, like, the, all the characters are wonderfully written. Yes. Like, they're all very believable, all very grounded. Um, they're, they're aside from, like, maybe the, the really grumpy professor guy, like, I loved all the characters. <laughs> the grumpy professor felt very cartoony. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was my issue with him. He was a little, yeah, just cartoony. That was the no, perfect word. It, 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 felt, it felt out of place. Mm. I mean, I like that it he felt, got there, but like, I am this too... professor character, and I, I'm like, okay, I, I need, I know we get, we need the information from someone, and he, mm-hmm. was, he definitely was a character. I'll give it that much, but he just, again, with the setting, he just felt so out of place. Keep in mind, a few chapters ago, we'd we'd had a really good sort of self-contained story where Memo shoots a. A, a convenience store clerk. Yeah. Mm, that was definitely one of my favorite parts. Also because I was shipping Memo and Angel. <laughs> 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 I was like, I bet they're like crushing on each other. Okay, that was me. But that was just me. But yeah, I thought that that part was very real for me when another of my favorite characters was Izzy. And oh, when yeah. he's like, too. Yeah. St- like when they go to get information from from Angel, from uh, and he's like staring at those drugs, like watching someone shoot up, and like how just like that felt very real to me. Yeah, and I those those scenes I really enjoyed. Those moments are are, are but great. Mm. But Professor 
grumpy professor dude he took me very out of the whole story because it was just like oh this is that cliche scene in like almost any like horror movie like it didn't you know where they go and find like they go to the professor they go to the library or whatever and like professor eccentric yeah i wish they had gotten that information from like vico's abuela like that's where i thought that would have been cool that would have made more sense to me I, I really liked Vico's abuela. Like, I like mm-hmm. that she she was in the beginning, and then she ultimately had a, a place in the plot, even all the way to the end. Absolutely. Like, I like that she she understood what had happened, like, from the beginning, but she didn't want to almost, like, believe it, because mm-hmm. she was just there. I don't know if she willed it to happen, but she was just there when the mothers basically were like, they were so fraught, they were like, they inadvertently I mean, they just, cursed their their children. They just witnessed their 13-year-old sons do coke, and yeah. it's so little, and it's on their birthdays. Yeah. And That's a good moment. I, yeah. I, that's a good catalyst. That's a really good catalyst for the, uh, the Okuko to arrive, and that, that it, it was unintentional, but it was still there. Because mm-hmm. um, how are they supposed to know they were cursing their children? Yeah, I mean, I worked with professors uh i mean that, that's my job i work with professors yeah and there are some that are this they're they are this in, uh, entitled they are this uh full of themselves mm-hmm. this is i mean i've seen professors like this yeah this is a little this professor's a little too over the top even and i and i mean i've known professors who have said don't you dare call us employees we are not employees that's what <laughs> staff members are and it's like I- whoa you're a little too high on the horse there. Yeah, no, this is a real thing. Like, it's kind of... It, it, it's amazing how some faculty can be assholes. Um, but uh, um, the, this guy was a little too over the top for me. I was like, eh, you know, I can only suspend my... Yeah. yeah. You know what one of my favorite characters was, though? I realize we keep changing topics. If we're trying to get around to the, to the certain this beats. This is a lot. There's it, a lot. Um, and I know we, we, we kind of talked, touched on, uh, Padre Sebastian, but mm-hmm. I really liked Padre mm-hmm. Sebastian. I did too. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good character. I like that he was- I loved, a- I, I enjoyed his, uh, very sexy descriptions. I was like, damn. Yeah. Everybody loves a sexy Padre. <laughs> he's, and he's, he's Jamaican too. Yes. Actually, awesome. I'm not going to lie. Out of all the characters that I would have slept with, <laughs> Padre Sebastian would be that character. <laughs> Alright, I gotta throw this in here. Okay. But I totally was like, Javier, you totally crushing on Padre. Like, you have to be. Like, I was shipping that too. Yeah, that moment when. Uh, I'm a when Lupe, human being. That moment when Lupe meets him, and then, like, she he's getting annoyed because there's clearly an attraction there. He's like, no, he's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I run. <laughs> he's almost 18. Um, uh, I also did enjoy the way that uh, the. Um, uh, Lupe's um, aunt and uncle's relationship was described. Yeah, too. that was that, very sweet. They had a sweet. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that uh, her uncle was the chief of police, and I like that he believes her in the end. Mm-hmm. He is a good. He is a good T.O. Actually, one of uh, that was actually a very sweet moment because I mean, uh, Lupe has uh, family troubles. I mean, her dad's basically deadbeat, and the fact that they said, you know, I if you'd like, you could stay with us. Because she's originally from Vermont. She is an, uh, an American that lives in Vermont. Right. And she looks, she doesn't look, she doesn't look Puerto Rican, like, no, at she, all, because she, she inherited all of her mother's Irish traits, apparently. Yes. Hence and why everyone was, calls her the gringa. Didn't she have blonde hair like that? She, she's blonde, and she's got freckles, and she's, she's, uh, basically, she looks like, oh, she looks white. Now, the interesting thing is, um, uh, now I've, uh, 
uh, I've worked with uh, Puerto Ricans. Uh, there was a lot of uh, Puerto Ricans um, in when I worked at Disney World. Uh huh. And they all looked very different. Like uh, they, not all of them actually had that tan, dark haired appearance. They, mm-hmm. um, some were actually like, like I saw a lot of pale skinned Puerto Ricans. Some that had fair, like fairer hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this is. Uh, if there is a like dis- disparity about in Puerto Rico where it's like, oh, if you look a certain way, but I mean that I the think, only reason we're bringing it up is because it does play into the novel a fair bit. Yes, I think like no, like naturally, like even within my own family, and we're all like a hundred percent his like Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one of my aunts is very fair skinned. She her she didn't have blonde hair, but it was a very light brown. Mm-hmm. Um, before she started dying at all these things, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but she she like even as a kid, I was like she looks more white than she looks Hispanic, uh, and even my my little cousin, her daughter, uh, you would think she's just a little white girl, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she eats like spicier food than I can handle, <laughs> um, actually, but that can be said about my entire family. Yeah, they will, I, I forgot where I was going with this, but okay. So my my thing is uh, naturally there it, within Puerto Rico, you would have those variations in skin tones and hair colors. I think the thing that isolated um, that marked Lupe's character as a gringa is the fact that she, aside from the fact that she just looked white, was that she probably had the accent when she did speak Puerto Rican or. Um, and the way she carried herself because mm-hmm. like i'm a, i'm a, like full-blood mexican like even like native mexican from my father's side of the family mm-hmm. but when i speak to people having grown up in the u.s because i don't have an accent people never they're not they don't think i'm hispanic they ask me first if i'm native american or hawaiian or filipino pacific islander of some sort mm. so like for me and I wanted to make sure I hit on this because I think from my Latin perspective, you guys might not have connected to this, but like Lupe, like being so upset when she was called gringa and not Puerto Rican, like I could really connect to that because like she didn't grow up connected to her heritage and she wants to feel connected to it. She wants to be Puerto Rican. Like I grew up in the US. I feel very distant from my Mexican heritage because even though I had a good chunk of my uh, family here in the US with me, we didn't focus a lot on like the cultures. Like we have never like done anything for Day of the Dead, so I I didn't learn about Day of the Dead from my family. I learned about it from media, which sucks cuz I <laughs> really wish I could like like every year, I'm like, "Hey, Ma, can we do an ofrenda thing or something, please?" And she's like, "No, nah, I mean, yeah, we got dead relatives, but I'm <laughs> yeah. like, please teach me my heritage." And then she's like, "Why can't you cook a pot of rice and beans?" I'm like, "Fucking me!" Ah, so that was beautiful. She got upset about it. Actually, no. One of the things I was kind of grateful for uh, when reading this novel is, like, I wanted to hear your perspective because, um, mm-hmm. uh, again, you, I knew you had a, a similar kind of connection as a um, Latina American or Latino American or 
uh, I don't. I would. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I don't Would you? Okay, I, I'm gonna just ask. Uh, Latin or Hispanic? Which do you prefer? Uh, I usually go with Hispanic because saying Latino or Latina, obviously that that word implies gender. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's just Hispanic, but okay. it, it also you guys know me. I'm not. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I know. I, I figured. I figured. I just asked, but uh, as also a Hispanic American, similar to Lupe, I kind of wanted to hear uh, your perspective as well. I know it, it, there is a difference, you know, Mexican American versus Puerto Rican American, but mm-hmm. I think uh, I think normally Lupe wouldn't be my type of character. I don't think I would have liked her as much as I did if I didn't have those little connections with her where she was like proud that she was able to pronounce something correctly <laughs> with the accent. And I was like, yeah, Oh, I feel you. Because when I, when I speak Spanish, uh, I was told by a coworker once who, who spoke fluent Spanish, who was Hispanic. Uh, you sound like a white girl when you talk Spanish. <laughs> and I was like, mm, I do. Don't I? Okay. Mm. gonna carry that with me forever. And like, uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't speak a lot of Spanish, even at home. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get over that. I do speak a lot more Spanish now than I did before. But yeah, so I don't know. I felt some solidarity with Lupe in that regards. Yeah, uh, I, um, I I appreciated that that aspect of it. Like, um, I mean, I, I, I again, maybe not to the same connect to the same level you could you could, but it was definitely made apparent in the novel that that mm-hmm. she wants to she wants to belong. This is she wants it to to feel like this is you know she's connected mm-hmm. to this and everyone insists on pushing her out yeah so. no that was probably the part that i connected to with the most in that like like uh they kept calling her gringa and she's like insisting like no 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 and just like people don't mean to not always like push you out but like when it comes to language like so i work in a restaurant and I actually have to speak I speak a lot more Spanish there than I did anywhere else that I've worked. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I'll, I'll say I'll go ring up a customer or something or I'm taking an order. And uh, right away, I'm, I'm speaking English, even if uh, the family I know I'm looking at is Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And if they start or struggling ordering it something in English or trying to say something in English, uh, then I'll switch. To, then I'll I'll make the effort to switch to Spanish. Mm. But if they, but if I get the feeling like, oh, they understand me fine, they're they're speaking fine. I'm gonna stick to English because I can better communicate that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Feel less of an idiot. <laughs> but like, literally the week before I started reading this book, I was ringing up this guy, and I was speaking to him in English. He was replying back in English, and then before the transaction finished, he was like, "So what? You don't speak Spanish?" And I was like, I can speak Spanish because he could. He he he. We he stared at me long enough to figure out that I was Latino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, he doesn't realize it. But that tone, that accusation of like, why aren't you speaking Spanish? You are clearly Hispanic, so you should be speaking Spanish to me. It was it's, just. It's it happens so much. Like you've no idea. That is, first of all, that's really cruel. I don't like that. Labels. Uh, labels. Everybody wants to put things in boxes. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's like I don't blame anyone for doing it. It's like for some reason it's just like, okay, why aren't you? Well, obviously because I didn't. I can't speak it. I can, but not mm-hmm. that great. You don't, you don't want to hear me yeah. speak Spanish. But um, yeah, no, it's it hit on something in the book that I was like, yep, that's whew, that's real. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. It was I, I. You know, that's that's a that's a really good like segue to talk about Lupe too, because I know we've talked a little bit about Javier. I mean, I definitely Javier's another big one we're gonna hit. But you know, mm-hmm. I was, and okay. I talked about Padre Sebastian. But do you know who I really liked in this book? Who? Pape Gringo. <laughs> Pape Gringo. <laughs> Great rapper name, by the way. <laughs> right. Uh, but but also also uh i mean carlos he's he's just a chill dude yeah he mm. is he's so good to all his old very, friends and very humble despite his fame yeah the the man who became a famous rapper and uh or no he's an r&b artist he's a reggaeton reggaeton. Re- reggaeton reggaeton thank you um and yeah he's a very humble guy like i like the fact that they didn't fall into that whole like oh i'm too cool for my friends stereotype that mm-hmm. I, I, I have seen young adult novels do. I thought that was going to come up, but it didn't. And I just like that the, the friendship that, or the kinship he seemed to feel with, with Javier was like really genuine. And I really liked Mm -hmm. that. I really liked that. He, he ended up being a very, like a very, like a good guy. Yeah. Cause when we, when we learned that, uh, his, he had been spared by El Cuco, I was like, Oh no. What if he like, wrote the song and is like what is summoning these murders like like he had something against his group of oh. friends or something that's what i thought that's where i thought it was gonna go that it was gonna reveal like oh he's actually behind it but right. it didn't it didn't go that way i appreciated that he was like no i'm a good guy i'm gonna keep singing i love my friends and family and my and me gente. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is good people and, and that's why i liked him and a girl's butts well he did he did write a whole song about a girl's butt so you know. Yeah, but I that's just that is like ninety percent of like okay eighty percent of Latin music. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Fair I enough. got into a lift and the guy was uh, lift to Disney. I think it was with Alan and the guy was playing music and Alan didn't hear the music. I'd forgotten to say something afterwards, but it literally was a song about a woman's butt. Like <laughs> that's why that joke was so funny to me. It was like. That's yeah, why I, that I love that line so much. That's why I grabbed it for the for the beginning here. It's, it's just great, like it's yeah. such a good. So uh, yeah, and um, what did we? Oh, oh here, here's a, here's a good one. Here's a key piece. What did we think of El Cuco? I like how El Cuco is described here. It's hmm. uh, it it's just a like a shadow or a darkness um, that can appear in different forms, and that's actually the best way to describe a monster. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's, and I think that's generally what the the boogeyman is like. Uh, El Kukui and like I don't know if I where I learned that the boogeyman takes different shapes, but like I know in like a my own boogeyman story that I came up forever ago, and I will one day dig out and come back to. Like it was yeah. that was the boogeyman did. He would appear in whatever scared you the most, right? Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah. I like that. I like the boogeyman. I've always been a big fan of the boogeyman. I love his work. <laughs> uh, he's, he's amorphous and frightening, and he comes in many guises. I want more mm. novels on the boogeyman, please. I would love... Well, I'm glad we, we read a novel that was all about the boogeyman, basically. Actually, that's one of the things that attracted me to it, because uh, I was trying to look... F- uh, when I was looking for, um, you know, horror novels, cause, just in my spare time, just because... You know what? I read horror for fun. Uh, yeah, as, as do I. <laughs> I, I, I lo- uh, this actually got recommended on a podcast, and I looked it up, and I was like, wait, this play takes place in Puerto Rico, which I've never read a novel that takes place in Puerto Rico. That This is w- very interesting to me. And mm-hmm. then not only that, I was like, wait, it's about 
El Cuco, as in El Cucuy Cuco. <laughs> I, that, because that was hinted in the, uh, in the summary. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. Also, the, uh, I- I'm just gonna, uh, say that the cover art for this is really cool. Yeah, I do like the cover a lot. It's so the, the cover is something that would make me pick it up mm-hmm. based yeah. off my, oh, well, we're, we're from a horror network, so yeah. It's creepy. Cool. Let me check that out because I like creepy. Yeah, that's basically. Let's be honest. If we, if I pass, if I'm in a bookstore and I see like a creepy cover like this, I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see the back. Judge books by their covers. In this case, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I is, mean, it's we we always say the, the saying is don't judge a book by its cover, but that's the first thing anyone ever does. Yeah. Well, especially if you uh, and authors do know that. That's why. Yeah. You, yeah. Guys. Don't flake out on your covers. No. <laughs> Girl, it's uh, funny. Um, uh, when uh, there were several years where a um, uh, close friend of mine and I had a um, had a tradition where we'd go to, when we were bored, we'd go to Barnes & Noble and we would actually judge books by their covers. We'd literally go to the sci-fi fantasy section, look at all the covers, ooh. discuss them, and then be like, okay, which do you think is the best cover on this shelf? And which is the worst? And all the worst ones were generally by the, the publishing company Bain. B-A-E-N. Hmm. They're all very that... weird-looking covers. I've and usually very wonky. Never heard of this. Uh, just just something to... Next time we're at uh, Barnes & Noble, we're going to play this game. It'll be okay. fun. Okay, cool. Awesome. Can I want in on this. That actually sounds like it might be a fun podcast. Judge books by their covers? covers? Yeah, if we could record it. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. could, you, could you imagine just like going... like Like we go to Powell's. Yes. Yeah. You guys need to come to Powell's. Come up to Portland and go to Powell. We'll go to Powell's, scatter, everybody grabs a book, and then we just go record in the coffee shop. Yeah, there and we go. And then just talk about it. So let's uh let's take what, a- did you what were your top five covers and why? <laughs> and, then try, and then we guess what the book is about and then read the summary based just based off the cover and the title. What do we think th- Maybe the the goal is to find the worst cover. That was what. That was generally speaking what we tried to do. But usually we would choose each would choose a cover that we thought was the best on a given shelf, and then we'd move to the next shelf and look at the covers there. It was it was a weird thing, and we were like teenagers when we did this, but it was fun. I'd be down for this. I'd be down for like each of us picks like two or three covers, and then we try (laughs) or one. And we'll make it a special episode of uh, Darkly Lit when you guys come visit me. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're doing this. You heard it here first, folks. Awesome. We're, we're going to do a uh, judge a book by its cover special. Just completely arbitrary. No matter, it doesn't matter what the <laughs> we'll book call is. it. If we make it a podcast, we'll call it "Don't Judge This Podcast by Its Cover." There you go. Something <laughs> dumb like that. Yes. Don't judge a podcast by its we cover. We need really fantastic cover art, though, yes. for that podcast. I know. <laughs> um, all right, all right. Getting back to the book. Back to okay, the book. Should, should I want to. Bef- go ahead. I just want to say real quick uh, something else that I really enjoyed from the book. And I, I don't know a lot about Puerto Rican culture, um, but there is a Puerto Rican restaurant that I have been to a couple times. I knew you were going to mention joy. food. I knew you were going <laughs> to mention food. Well, no, because like we we mentioned how how very real and and like great the setting is throughout the book. How we get touches of like just. The, the, the setting yeah. of Puerto, mm. Puerto Rico. But what really sold it for me were those moments when we got food and food descriptions and just the enjoyment of food yeah. because that's where, that's where the, the heart of any culture is. is yes. in the, 
So very much appreciate the foodie in me. Very much appreciated that, and that sealed the deal for me. By the way, I didn't know you had a Puerto Rican restaurant near you. That's another thing we should do. I, I don't... I don't think we have a Puerto Rican restaurant near us. We could find one. We could find one, but... I I have one that I I didn't realize was one until this uh, girl took me on a date there, so... Nice. A little on the pricey side, but good. So, we'll go. So, how about that ending, everybody? Yeah. Can we finally have we finally gotten around to talking about it's a the, the other the other criticism I have of the my okay my favorite thing about the ending I will start with so is nice. that despite everything going on Papi Gringo was like still singing. Yes. I tell you he's the fucking man. <laughs> Papi Gringo's the best. He's like, this is this is all crazy, but I got a show to put on. Give it up for my brother Javier, my <laughs> sister Lupe. <laughs> um, so um, that part I was digging. That part here's here that was that was good. Um, he's he, and I like that he as they're both being pulled up into like a, a hell vortex. Like, nah, bro, if you're going, I'm going too. <laughs> I'm like, God bless you, Carlos. Um, but he's gonna go singing. But he's he's gonna go singing because that's all he. Remember, remember the girl in his arm doesn't matter. It's all about the music for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a true artist. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but then I think. Sorry. You got Kino. Oh boy, Kino. Um, but before that, can I can I say because I started to mention this earlier? I really I was waiting with anticipation for the like fight or the confrontation between uh, Lupe and Marisol. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. it came, I was like, yes, oh my god. This is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be so angry that she's literally going to try and kill her. Like, yes. I wanted it to be that bad. And then it turned... And then I'm like, the fight ended. I'm like, okay, I'm glad that no one died. But then, like... It, cool. felt, it was After very... that, the fact that they're cool was kind of weird. And then her reveal, like, I wasn't trying to kill you. I was just trying to scare you so you would go back to Canada. Or I'm like... You put a knife to her throat and screamed at her about how she was everything wrong and that you were going to kill her. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And then you're cool after that. Like, I realize you all kind of work together to, like, stop Javier from being killed. Okay, so this is all... The, the reason this all happens is we got a culmination of stuff that, I, I think to sum it up best, feels like a Disney final confrontation. It gets wrapped up a little too neatly. Like, it turns out, like, one of yeah. the most tragic parts is uh, Padre Sebastian dying in quotation marks and then it turns out he's not dead i was fine with that i was fine with thinking that he died and then finding out he wasn't yeah that's fine i don't i'm not i'm not a fan of death fake outs i'm just kind of like oh god i will accept the death fake out only Mm -hmm. if it's done if it's done reasonably like i think Mm -hmm. i've seen really i've seen too many really bad death fake outs the fact that this one was off screen or off page, I guess was like fine for me. Like I, I noticed, I in did you did any of you read the acknowledgement section at the end? I was realizing as like a minute ago that I had it. <laughs> There's a bit in here that I really dug. Where uh, let me find it. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, mi prima Terra Davia, who not only did a sensitivity read, but took me around the island for research, talking it through and making invaluable suggestions, though I ignored her repeated urging to kill the priest. You've got to kill the priest. <laughs> I mean, she came close. She, she was close. 
I mean, it would have worked for me either way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... fine with the fake out. I'm fine with it because I thought Marisol was going to be the the big baddie and it ended up being Kino. And I wish it had been Marisol because Kino, I, I know I said earlier that all the characters are well-written. I have to take that back because of Kino. Yeah, Kino's, Kino's kind of one-note douchebag narcotics guy. Yeah. Gang, I, I... gang, gang, gangster. And I know, like, I've... Pr- the author may have probably done that because he's the one who ends up being taken by El Cuco instead of Javier. Mm-hmm. How did that work though? I know, like they're like he need there needs to be a price paid or something. Like, well, everybody just benefited because the 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 because Kino gets taken by El Cuco, but you'd think it would have to be something with more significance to everybody in the group. Yeah, mm-hmm. instead it just feels like El Cuco just did them a favor by. Yeah, Destroy. and I know that, like, I know, yeah, that that's, I have an issue with that there. I think one thing I would have liked to have seen stressed more uh, is that Kino is what would have become of Los Cangrejos if they had continued on their path, if they hadn't died. That's right. what he, yeah. they would have become. That's, what would have, that's who Javier would have been right. if he hadn't cleaned up. And I wish that had been stressed a bit more, because mm-hmm. I feel that would give a little more impact of, like, the of El Cuco taking Kino because that's that would have been like okay we're seeing El Cuco this this thing take this guy like oof but it but El Cuco and that my the way I'm seeing it is like if that had been stressed a little more El Cuco taking Kino would have been just kind of like representative of like the drugs and that lifestyle and that darkness taking. Javier away right. if he had not cleaned up. I don't know. I'm not making sense. No, 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 no. But no. Yeah. That's, that's a great. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's good. That's good English. That's good. Like metaphor, like writing, thinking, and I Absolutely. like that. I really like that. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I'm with you. I think the the problem was Kino. Kino's there, but he's never really like it's that it doesn't feel like as personal or as invested a threat as Marisol was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She has an emotional connection to the whole plot and mm-hmm. made for kind of a sympathetic antagonist, which I thought was important. Even if she had gotten, uh, even if things had gone badly with her, if it had, if she had been played up more like, and it hadn't just been like, Oh, we're cool now. And all there was a big misunderstanding thing at the end. Um, things didn't have to go badly for her. There could have been, um, there could have been a redemption thing still. At oh, the absolutely. End, you know, and there kind of was, but it felt again. Forced. So like, look, the reason it I felt, say it felt like a Disney climax is because it's it's very spect it's very spectacly because like all of a sudden Kino is there hanging from the background trying to shoot Javier and it's like a big fiac. It's like this this felt so grounded in this kind of cool like I I, I don't know it, it felt too spectacular like it felt like. And they're in this big thing in front of everybody, and there's the the, the one character. It, it felt neat, and it felt like it was a. It felt like watching the climax to a Disney movie, like a and Disney. And Marisol cartoon. remembers her crush on Carlos, all of a sudden. And suddenly, and like maybe they're not exactly cool, but now she and Lupe are fine. And I'm like, there's mm. I don't know. There's I feel like there's still way too much bad blood there. Yeah, I, I just yeah, there should have been way more. I I, I I had I had some issues. That's all. I had some. It, it cleaned up that. too nicely and. Like, I get that it's a, a young adult novel, but we had some really dark, gritty moments earlier on with, like, is he staring at those drugs kind of moments. Like, uh, so memo, I, I memo feel like... Murdering a dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we could have, 
we could have handled a much darker ending if we had already read all that leading up to it. Yeah. I don't even mind if it was a I don't even mind if it was an ending where things came together and everyone did okay. It's just yeah. the, the moment I, I kinda lost it was when Kino was there hanging onto the, the bars at the back of the stage like a a, a monkey shooting at at Javier. Yeah. And I'm like, he he just graduated to kind of mustache twirling villain. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, like, that's my main... That the, is my main criticism. And right before that, there's this great, like, moment <clears throat> where Javier's basically going through, like, an existential crisis with El Cucul. He's having the... He's having the, uh, the Ghost of Christmas Past kind of deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that could have led into a more interesting ending, or, like, maybe that could have... Like, maybe the way he's showing he's like, I'm not going to give in to my addiction could have, like, stopped El Cucol or something. I don't know, but just, like... With a little help from Las Madres? Yeah, something like, like that. But, and even, like, maybe that could be a part of Marisol's redemption. Like, maybe she could have done something small. She, uh, she, if, if she had been more of the catalyst... I, I got the impression from the beginning she was more of the catalyst of El Cuco. Like, maybe, yeah, she, she, like maybe she was the source, you know? Well, I mean, that, mm-hmm. was the, that was the idea, is that she told her parents, because... Right. And a lot of it is in her. And if it had been, like, one way to help her would be to drive... Finally drive that last bit of darkness out to find some sense of the person underneath it, you know? Mm-hmm. The person who hasn't been tormented by El Cuco her whole life, you know? Like... I don't know. I just, there was so much potential in Marisol, and I feel like there's, a lot of it wasn't really given the proper room at the end to, to, to be given. With the, it just, the ending feels, the, the, the silly parts of the ending feel so incongruous with the incredible, like, moments of humanity and darkness and light that come earlier in the novel. Agreed. And I think mm-hmm. that's my big yeah. problem. I don't even care. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I don't even care that the ending was happy and that Lupe and, and uh, that, Javier that, kissed. Like, I was all, yay, uh-huh. good for you guys. You mm-hmm. know? Like, I wanted that. But I, I, I but I'm with you. The, the thing is, uh, though, um, I'm, and I'm glad about this because sometimes an ending can just ruin a whole book and it doesn't it doesn't it really doesn't for, 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 it doesn't but it it we it didn't oh, okay. it, left, it left me wanting a little bit that's yeah. I, that's the I, yes. it, that's the worst thing i can say and and this was a book that i read in two sittings and i was up very late at night reading it i think um there's a quote on the back of the book from um paul tremblay saying, flat-out unputdownable, you'll want to follow Lupe and Javier all over Puerto Rico. And I was like, hell yeah, Paul, I'm right with you. Like, <laughs> I, I could not put this book down. Mm-hmm. And I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would for, mm-hmm. for a young adult novel. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I, I was surprised, too, when I read it. I was like, because I love the ideas behind it. I'm like, okay, I'm curious to see how this goes, because... Um, uh, young adult novels for me are hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a lot of them. There's some really good ones out there, and like I have some favorites. But then there's some young adult novels that are a little too ooey gooey, heterosexual love. <laughs> wow, I feel so embarrassed right now for you because I'm 30 and you're you are babby. <laughs> but and there's only a little bit of that in here. But for the most part, I love the setting. I love El Cuco. Did you I, did you feel like Lupe and, and Javier I, their their relationship their friendship actually was I actually felt was actually fairly organic. It was. They're both very fiery stubborn personalities, but they still work well together. Yeah. For me there was a lot of just like 
rolling my eyes, like them kissing, like the last line is, oh, kiss. I was like, oh, but like, I didn't hate, I'm not saying that with like distaste or hate. Cause like if they had been them of their little bickering of like, if Lupin had been a boy, I would have been eating it up and drooling. <laughs> yeah. If this would have so, been, been two girls or two boys. Yeah. I'd be yeah. The same way I'm, too. I'm biased in that sense, well, but like it genuinely, I did enjoy the characters, their journey. The the end was no, oh, but uh, you know what? At the end, I'm really glad I read this. Like, I will recommend this to my little cousin who I think is the right age for this. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I think all in all, with the with the exception of parts of the ending, I, I it is a it is a solid read, a good story, mm-hmm. and um, I I really really thoroughly enjoyed it. Hmm. This is the end for 2019, so um, we're going to be reading uh, another book for January, of course, but uh, we're going to do stuff a little differently. Um, We're going to make this a little more like a book club, and we're going to read this next upcoming book in chunks. So we'll read a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, discuss that part, and then read a little bit more and discuss that part. We'll get a we'll get a more better uh, idea of like how much will be read um, uh, coming January thirteenth. But I feel like this will allow us to read a lot more longer novels. Because mm-hmm. um, I I one of the things I think a lot of listeners have noticed is the fact that uh, we've been reading a lot more shorter stuff because of this month length. So I think let's try something new. Uh, and the- so starting January. War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. <laughs> but yes, we're reading War and Peace. The <laughs> what? No, just kidding. Actually, I am so excited to. I, I, I read it already, but I'm going to reread it. I'm so excited. It's Let the Right One In by John Avidey Lindquist. Woo! I'm excited for this. I really love the movie. I haven't read the book yet, even though I own it. <laughs> I haven't read the book either. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's such a good book, guys. It's I'm, so good. Uh, it comes highly recommended. So um, you can all follow us on our various uh, platforms and read. We really encourage you read the book with us every. Um, so for the next few months, uh, we will be going over a few chapters in chunks. We'll let you know which chapters we're reading as we get closer, so you can join us in the discussion. Mm-hmm. And we will. I think the did we mention this? The the plan is we are going to post the the reading schedule on the darkly lit. What, dark, sorry, the creative horror. Which is the home Creative Horror website, which is the home of Darkly Lit. Creativehorror.com. And we'll also post it on Twitter as well. Yes. Um, but yes, we will let you know how uh, long of the book we'll start with. And then if you have any questions, only talk about, even if you read ahead or you've read the whole book, start with the questions that address that part only, please. If you decide to ask questions. <laughs> no spoilers. And uh we also want to try uh, taking some audio submissions. If you want to record your questions or your comments on the the chunk that we read for that for that episode, we're going to try and pull those in again and share those on the podcast. So, um, any other plugs for upcoming podcasts? Well, UCA is trucking along at a nice pace. Uh, stay tuned. We're finally going to start getting around to uh, getting some user submissions, and we've had a couple. So, uh, we're going to be doing more stories on that podcast. Uh, but in the near future, you can expect um, a um, 
couple of uh, looks, at a couple of a couple of different things. We're going to be going back to the SCP Foundation to continue to explore uh, Lord Bung's confinement series and the SCPs that inspired them, and then uh, a little after that, we're going to have a discussion about the lighthouse because. <laughs> I really want to talk about the lighthouse, and so does literally everybody else in creative horror. So, hey, <laughs> we're gonna spill our beans and talk about that one. Um, it's almost like someone took. It's almost like uh, you know the most. It's my, it might be one of the most David made movies. Yeah, ever made in we'll, terms of horror we'll get, movies we'll, I've seen, we'll, but we'll, we'll talk about that. it. We'll get into anyway, that. Uh, and as yeah, that's the main thing I have coming up. And obviously, Anna Musings, uh, Kayla and I's other podcast on the Benview Network, uh, is uh, making good. Um, making good headway as well. We are now well into the 90s mm-hmm. at this rate and uh in December we will be talking we've been we're talking about Aladdin and the Nightmare Before Christmas. So, that'll be fun. Yep. Can I just pitch to you guys like if you ever have an episode where you don't have a guest and you and you will like my company, please let me know. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't have Bene- benefactor of our Disney Plus. Yes, I do technically supply your your Disney access. And we, now. we like you and we like what you have to offer as an artist <laughs> and an, and a uh, and a friend and a person who appreciates Disney and good storytelling. So yes, of course you are welcome to join us anytime we don't have a yes. <laughs> guest already lined up. I could tell you what the next one is automatically, but I'll get into we'll, we'll get to that when we finish the recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to plug one thing very yes. sad uh hey december wait it is december this is going out january uh, no, no this is this still is december december 13th right i know that <laughs> <laughs> um so creative horror fans may or may not have noticed that uh we didn't get a witching hour for december uh no one's called me out on it so i guess no one noticed that's fine but january please tune in to what is going to be the last episode of the witching hour and i'm trying to plan something fun for that uh so stay tuned january we'll we'll have hit five years and i think that's a good place to Time to blow out the candle, I guess. Time to let the witching hour come to an end. Uh, yes. All right. But yes, thank you all for your uh, for following up, for your questions. Uh, we hope to hear more from you in the coming year. We wish you all a happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, and a good new year uh, coming up. And yeah, join us on the 13th for uh, Let the Right One In. Well, uh, let's... N- uh, shall we uh, blow out the candles? I don't think El Coco is going to come after us. Are, are, have we been good? Have any of you been doing coke? Oh, you know I am never good. <laughs> well, that explains that shadow that's been following you this whole time. Uh-oh. That's actually my boyfriend, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinera, and this podcast is part of CreativeHorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at CreativeHorror.com. <laughs>